I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin with the Title 42 COVID miracle. Despite the feds approving more emergency funds to fight COVID-19, we've apparently defeated the China virus south of our border. Thus, we're removing a crucial additional layer of border protection that makes Americans a little more safe from diseases because, I guess, Big Joey feels like it or something. Last night, Breitbart broke the 125-page document that comprises the Biden administration plan to address the border issue. Needless to say, it's not going to work and will lead to a lot more chaos. Meanwhile, fentanyl overdoses are spiking. With new revelations of apparent atrocities in Ukraine, Joe Biden is calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal. Is he wrong? Probably not. But what's he going to do about it? We know the answer to that one. Exactly what Washington has done to stop Hunter Biden. Nothing. Plus, Kentonji Brown-Jackson cleared another confirmation hurdle, thanks to Republicans, and the trans panic in Florida somehow is getting worse and much more. Our first guest today is Citizens United President David Bossie, who has a new documentary called Rigged, the Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. It really is good, and I explain why, plus we get into some of the revelations therein. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton joins us and he explains what he is doing to fight back against the removal of Title 42 and we get updates on his massive lawsuit against Google and his primary campaign battle against George P. Bush. A lot to do, but first, a word from our sponsors. I guess I'll start with a quick update on uh, Russia and Ukraine because it did seem to gobble up a lot of the news cycle yesterday. And let's play. I think this is the the clip that uh, started it uh, in that started the action. Here's Joe Biden. Let's play cut one. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter is, so what happened to Putin. This warrants him, he is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual, have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Buka is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. Up to Allah. No, I think it is a war crime. Yeah, so he's uh, he. There were tortured and executed civilians, according to Wire reports, in this uh, city called Buka, as uh, the Russians have kind of retreated in certain areas. There's a lot of evidence that there is horrible things that happen there, and I think that it is things that do. Uh, war is a very very nasty and horrible thing, and uh, Putin is a nasty and horrible guy, so I think this shocks anyone, uh, but Biden is going out there and calling him a war criminal, but there's no plan to do anything. There's no plan to get uh, uh, Putin to, you know, become some sort of a, uh, to stand trial or something like that. I, I don't know what the, he's supposed to do. He is uh, uh, Peter Ducey, who is the Fox News White House correspondent, uh, later on asked Biden, is what's Putin supposed to do? He's supposed to turn himself in? Is that what's going to happen? Uh, he says, he says, so President Biden is talking about Putin, uh, is talking about putting Putin on a war crime trial. Does he expect Putin to turn himself in to stand trial, or does he think somebody's going to have to go into Russia and arrest him? That's the right question. So they're just saying this to eat up time, and uh, it, it does work. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe we could fantasize about Putin being uh, put on some sort of a war crime trial. You know who would really love that? Everyone who is presiding over some element of society anywhere around the world, particularly Big Joey the Biden, that isn't going well for them politically. They would love to have nonstop Putin war crime trial uh, news cycles. Kind of reminds you of some of the impeachment stuff that went on during President Trump. Do it. Let's do a show trial on Putin because they're not going to do anything unless they want to go into a hot war with Russia, which a lot of people who I think are sympathetic to the Democrat cause 
I would like that. Here's a clip of MSNBC's Ali Velshi, who is actually one of the more sane people on MSNBC, though uh, certainly has bouts of temporary insanity at a minimum, which I've documented in my book, Breaking the News. But by and large, one of the less irresponsible people on the MSNBC network. Let's play cut six. We are past the point of sanctions and strongly worded condemnations and the seizing of oligarchs' mega yachts. It's no longer sufficient as the evidence of war crimes and crimes against humanity continue to grow. Vladimir Putin has no regard for life or humanity or even the rules of war. He's proven that time and time again, and he has also pursued the indiscriminate killing of civilians time and time again, twice before in Ukraine and in Chechnya. The global world order and potentially democracy's survival hang in the balance. If this isn't the kind of moment that the United Nations and NATO and the UN and the G20 and the Council of Europe and the G7 were made for, what is the point of these alliances if not to stop this? The world cannot sit by as Vladimir Putin continues this reign of terror. Yeah, so Putin's a terrorist. We need to go in there. NATO needs to go in there. We all need to go to a hot war. So we're going to have a hot war with nuclear Russia, even though Ukraine is doing incredibly well so far. And arming Ukraine and trusting the Ukrainian people to do the best for themselves has by and large gone pretty well. Not so it's gone perfect. Obviously, the evidence uh, uh, that is emerging. And again, it's, sometimes there is a fog of war element and Ukraine has been master propagandist throughout this whole thing. But it is with evidence emerging that some of the brutality of the Russians is on display. I, I get it. People want to do stuff. But what is the plan? Is it to do a show trial without Putin there? Or is the plan to go in and physically get Vladimir Putin and put him up on a, on, on a trial and see how Putin reacts to that? And run the risk of him dropping massive weapons and bombs all over the place. So is that something you guys are up for right now? I know who is up for it. People who don't want to talk about other stuff that's going on on the planet. Those are the type of people who are wagging the dog, age old expression. Uh, they would love to see us go into hot war with Russia. And so the, the just watch the, uh, the evidence, uh, not the evidence, watch the escalation that will take place because as the news cycle gets worse and worse and more desperate, for Democrats, I think there is going to be this huge push to try to say, well, we need to get Putin on war, uh, in a war trial, war crime trial, by any means necessary. And that's what's scary. So, again, you can hate Putin and you cannot want to spend infinite amount of time um, uh, talking about this uh, subject matter which of course will be what happens if we try to do some sort of a, a war crime trial or if we get into a hot nuclear war. So that is unfortunately where we are. It's unfortunate 365, which is part of the reason why, and again, I will go back to this to do a little more self-flagellation, why I was not accurate about my prediction that, that Putin wasn't going to go into uh, Ukraine. Because I didn't think he was going to go in unless it was going to be a slam dunk win for him because Putin's not usually that foolish. In this case, obviously, it isn't a slam dunk win. So what are the options here? We got hot nuclear war. We got to try to go get Putin out of there to put him on a war crime trial. Or Putin kind of gets away with it to some degree. And just because Putin is doing very poorly doesn't mean ultimately he won't get the upper hand in the end, which would also be bad. It's all bad. It's all bad, bad, bad. And the options are all not great. Because, of course, you're all, we're all rooting for the Ukrainian people, at least for most people are. Though I do find this um, kind of a, a, this, this chemical lab obsession I'm seeing on the right, it's kind of curious, that, that, that does come up. I'm old enough to remember when it was sort of a, uh, not, not a basis to invade a country just because of weapons, WMD rumors. You guys remember that? We did, we did a, a major war because there was rumors of WMD and then it turned out we didn't really get any. Interesting. All right, so biggest item we had at Breitbart News yesterday that is certainly worth spending a few minutes on is leaked Department of Homeland Security document revealing the Joe Biden's mass migration plan. Uh, this is something that uh, Brandon Darby and our Cartel Chronicles team uh, led by Randy Clark got. This is a huge thing. It's a very long document, and you can read all 115 pages of Breitbart. We're the first to publish it. Um, and that is long. That means we have not been able to fully go through all of it. 
but this is the Department of Homeland Security's a mass migration plan that is, you would think, would replace Title 42, which is set to go away. But it doesn't do that at all. Uh, I will note something pretty striking with the uh, end of Title 42, which is coming up. Title 42, for those of you who have not been listening to any of the recent shows, is the border protections that were put in place to add a certain layer of security, a heightened layer of security at our border due to the fact that we don't want uh, it, it, massive levels of infectious disease to come flooding up from south of our border inside of our country. One of the original reasons why borders were invented to begin with is to have a sense of which diseased individuals are coming up. Um, and we are in this pandemic, the coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. You may have heard of it. You know, some people haven't heard of coronavirus, as Joe Biden once said. I think most people have. And... Um, these protections are set to go away because Joe Biden wants them to. It was striking to see there are the, there are budget proposals that are uh, that are out, um, as there always are, because this is a good way to control conversation. Uh, and so Joe Biden wants to do that. He does want to control conversation because he's it has a very hard time when he he doesn't. And um, uh, of everything that we're reading, there's suggestions that there's still going to be extra, 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 extra funds that go into coronavirus testing and prevention and treatments and vaccines and mandates and everything. It's just they just want to spend as much as they can on coronavirus, aside from others at our southern border where coronavirus no longer exists. So that is the move um, at this moment, is that there is still emergency funds that people want to allocate for the coronavirus. But there is no coronavirus coming up from south of our border, or at least we're supposed to think that because Title 42 is going away. So this is the tactic that is put forward. So no Title 42, because again, no coronavirus south of the border, but there is yes, Title 42 when it comes to, um, uh, when, it, when it comes to dealing with therapeutics, vaccines, and testings for a COVID deal the senators have disagreed to, including fools like Mitt Romney. He's in on this too. So even though it's a little less than what it was earlier in the pandemic, they've uh, released more billions of dollars of more uh, emergency funding um, because there's still the pandemic. Unless, of course, you're south of our border. Then you're good. So anyway, um, I'm also going to throw out there overdose deaths, overdose deaths are soaring from fentanyl flowing from Mexico and China. And it's not a joke that it comes from both places. When we were down there at the end of 2019 doing a big documentary, The Disorder at the Border series, which I think you can still find in the SiriusXM app. And if you can't, just ask, and I'll, I will encourage people to repost it. Um, but when we were down there, we saw Chinese nationals coming uh, across Rio Grande into our country. Firsthand. Firsthand. Not second. We didn't hear about it. We actually saw it with our own two eyes. We were down there with the SiriusXM team. Um, but there were, for the first time, more than 100,000 Americans had died of drug overdoses over a 12-month period, the AP reports. And about two-thirds of the deaths were linked to fentanyl and other synthetic drugs, which can be 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine, heroin, or prescription opioids. That is horrifying. And where do you think it's coming? Coming from China and coming from Mexico. But hey, let's take off some restrictions. Greg Abbott said ending Title 42 expulsions will signal to cartels and migrants alike that our southern border is now wide open, inciting even more violence, more trafficking, and more lawlessness. So what we need right now. We need violence, trafficking, and lawlessness. So we got the whole plan on what the DHS is going to do. We're starting to go through it, and needless to say, there's no real replacement of Title 42 happening. The plan predicts, according to Randy Clark for us at Breitbart News, that DHS's traditional processing capabilities will be overwhelmed and require an increase in the use of broadside release mechanisms 
because you know what happens when we get overwhelmed. It's not that we get more people down there, we put a wall up. It's we release more people in the United States. They get what's known as permisos, which means they're allowed to be here so long as they agree to appear in court and they don't show up. And then, uh, lo and behold, they've been here a while and it's just harder to kick them out. And a lot of people don't want them kicked out because then they're, uh, they're working places, might be paying some rent in some places, might even be paying a little bit of taxes some places, not much, but a little bit. So it is pretty depressing. The document offered ominous predictions about the impacts of pending surge at the U.S.-Mexico border. The DHS document claims most released migrants do not appear for subsequent removal proceedings. That's good to know. At least they came clean on that. All-out chaos coming as we're going to have less opportunities to remove people. We've had more footage than usual, and we always get a lot of footage of border crossings continuing throughout Texas. We're already overwhelmed at this point. And, I, you know, having gone down there and met so many of the families in Customs and Border Protection and other enforcement arms that we have, it's just their lives are just so much more difficult when we do this. There's Americans down there who are supposed to be in charge of this stuff, and they're spending all day having to deal with a different set of law-breaking people funded by the cartels or funding the cartels goes two ways. And that's what they have to do, and they have to do it at a level that they cannot sustain because of the insane policies of Joe Biden and the Democrats. And they're often egged on by the Republican establishment who doesn't care either. John Binder writes for us at Breitbart News that Biden is looking to further slash deportations by having federal prosecutors drop cases against illegal aliens unless they are considered a public safety threat. So basically, if you're not a public safety threat, then who's to define what that is? You're off the hook. So uh, prosecutors have been directed, according to a ICE memo, Immigration Custom Enforcement, to drop deportation cases who are from those who are not considered a national security or public safety threat, who have not re, uh, or um, or have not crossed uh, recently, meeting you know right away. So this is a coordination with sanctuary. Uh, with the so-called sanctuary country orders that were issued last year but have been blocked by an Ohio federal judge. ICE's focus on civil immigration enforcement priorities, according to a spokesperson. What does that mean? Civil immigration enforcement priorities on the apprehension and removal of non-citizens who pose a threat to our national security, public safety, and border security, consistent with the legal requirements in applicable court orders. I don't like when they add the gobbledygook. It's really annoying. I know they have to do that, but add the legalese. Just stop the flow and get people out. Imagine you get a, an influx of migrants, and then now you get a sift through. Ooh, are they a imminent security threat? All right, well, how do we know? Well, seven of them are and three of them aren't. Well, let's let the three stay. We'll send the seven back. It'd be so much easier just hit a wall. All would have made things so much easier. So we're cutting down prosecutions. We are uh, doing the emergency relief fund for COVID, even though there's no COVID south of our border. But I, we need to talk about the Dome Boss. More Dome Boss talk. That'll do it. That'll get stuff done. We gotta, we gotta get stuff done. It's funny given this slate of headlines that Hillary Clinton says Biden is doing a very good job and Democrats need to do a better job explaining their accomplishments. Like what? What are the accomplishments that they need to explain? Big Joey did revive his story about when he used to drive truck. You know, he likes to do that every once in a while. He used to talk about how he's a truck driver. Uh, there's no evidence that he was a truck driver. But he uh, had another aside where he said, I used to drive a truck. And then he probably caught himself because he said, it's a long story anyway. Um, he claimed he drove an 18-wheeler last year, which I made fun of a lot at the time. And I let you guys call in to opine on how unlikely that is. 
It's it just a, uh, his, his willingness to embarrass himself publicly is a true gift. He was also asked yesterday when it's appropriate for uh, the children to be taught sexual orientation. He wouldn't come up with an answer. It'd just be so refreshing if someone could just come out and say, you know what, I, I think that the schools are just not equipped to handle this stuff. Uh, you gotta, you got to work on this in the home. It's going to be stuff from the home. Like, wh- wh- Why is it nine-year-olds or even 15-year-olds? Like, wh- wh- why, why can't we just teach this? Why can't this be something that is home-centric? I mean, but we're doing it prepubescent, like sexual orientation prepubescent is just crazy that this is the the plan at the moment. The New York City health officials are now calling um, white women birthing people, but minority women mothers. This has been framed, of course, as racist. Dr. Michelle Morse, who's the chief medical officer for the city's Department of Health, was highlighting the area's birth equity initiative. The urgency of the moment is clear, she wrote. Mortality rates of birthing people are too high, and babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in the city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people. Well, that's the case. We're probably a very racist society. And this is a very interesting thing, the, 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 the acting as though our medical system is very racist also. I wonder how that's going to go. But that is the implication. But I guess uh, that, that's what we do now. We refer to... Uh, uh, um, but anyway, she referred to black and Hispanic mothers as mothers, and this became very controversial. And so she put out the statement, replacing mothers with birthing people. So if you notice in the second part of this, black and, Hispan- black and Puerto Rican mothers in the city are three times more likely to die. Um, and this was blasted because she needs to not call them mothers because sometimes a mother implies you're, you're a woman, I guess. But who's to say if you're a woman? You've got to be a biologist to be able to determine that. Pretty disturbing. Do I ever bring any happy news? I don't know if I ever bring happy news. I need to have a happy time initiative. Can we get a happy time correspondent on the show? I, I, because the next story is not that happy either. Uh, Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney are going to confirm Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who has a record of going soft on child sex predators, um, also has a record of promoting, I believe, the anti-constitution content with critical race theory, 1619 Project, both rooted in hatred of America. She doesn't believe there are natural rights despite the first line of the Declaration of Independence. She gave such horrible answers in her hearing, and when people noted the answers were horrible, everyone seemed to say that you were racist for even pointing out the answers were horrible. Luckily, we're free here at Breitbart to kind of do what we want to do. But so much of the establishment um, media framed any criticism as an attack on her womanhood, or is she even a woman, that she's a birthing person, or her race. Ted Cruz summed it up. Let's play cut seven. Go ahead. Now, our Democratic colleagues and their cheerleaders in the corporate media have repeatedly tried to suggest that any opposition to Judge Jackson's nomination is rooted in racism or sexism. There's some irony in that, because all of the Democrats on this committee were only so happy to vote against the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett without facing any concerns about the sexism they were showing. And there's greater irony in Democrats celebrating this historic first because it would have occurred 20 years ago. An African-American woman could have served on the Supreme Court 20 years ago except for the fact that Democrats filibustered a qualified African-American woman, Judge Janice Rogers Brown. Indeed, if members of this committee were asked to raise your hand, have you ever filibustered a qualified African-American woman in order to prevent her from going to the U.S. Supreme Court? Three hands would go up. 
Not on this side of the aisle, but the three most senior Democrats would all be obliged to raise their hand. Also, Joe Biden, if he's at home watching this on C-SPAN, Joe Biden would raise his hand as well. Chuck Schumer would raise his hand as well. Yeah, all good points. Well stated. So attacks on Amy Coney Barrett, Janice Rogers Brown. That's rooted in just, you know, they're not that good. But Ketanji Brown Jackson, you are racist. You are a bigot. You don't understand the BIPOCs. I think everyone rolls their eyes at this at this point, but it is still so unhealthy. Keep going down this road. Whoopi Goldberg says voting against Kentonji Brown Jackson. Just say I don't trust a black woman. That's what it's about. It's such a toxic message that divides our country. The most divisive people on the left. Um, Hunter Biden in the new Secret Service paying 30000 a month for a Malibu mansion to protect Hunter. His grift is so unbelievable. This is why I keep saying that I, I now am, um, what's the expression, white-pilled on Hunter? Is that it? I don't think I'm using that right. But I'm now begrudgingly giving Hunter credit. I mean, he's unbelievable, the grift he's pulling off. Legal, legally speaking, I'm being tongue-in-cheek with the word grift. Just so uh, we don't get sued. Because who knows? He could sue SiriusXM, make a million dollars because I use the word grift. Maybe 10 million. I don't know. Not to give many ideas. I mean, figurative. Figuratively speaking, his grifts. Um, 30000 a month, Malibu Mansion, Protect Hunter. Pretty good stuff. Able to pull that off, get the government uh, funding you to be out in Malibu, particularly when he's been printing cash elsewhere. Um, it came out in some texts that were revealed that he was getting a lot of money from a Chinese company, millions of dollars in all. And I think he was pulling in a salary of over $4 million a year. So I'm going to pull down this exact number so then you guys can have it and then you'll know. Uh, Yeah, text messages reveal... Uh, that he had a $4.8 million in retainer and consulting fees from a Chinese energy company from 2017 to 2018. Think there's any chance there could be some compromising information the Chinese have on Hunter Biden? Think there's a chance, possibility? I think it's a possibility. And the establishment media is not covering this at all, basically. Maybe they'll write something up quickly and then move on. Joe Biden gets very angry whenever he's asked about this prone to lashing out whenever asked about Hunter, but millions and millions of dollars from a Chinese company at a minimum, that's what we know about. Meantime, he's bagging 30,000 a month for uh, from your guys, from you guys who can live in Malibu. It's pretty amazing that he's been able to pull this off. Mark Levin said, we need a federal special counsel to investigate the Biden crime family. No kidding. And every Republican should be pressured on that issue, should be asking about that. We go back a long ways with Dave Bossie, who has been one of the OG conservative movement stars and someone who's been had his hand in a lot of things over the years. Maybe a, most notable, his Citizens United decision, legendary Supreme Court case that he was involved in, and then serving under President Trump in both the campaign uh, and uh, beyond. And he's got a new documentary out, which I do recommend, rig2020.com if you want to check it out. It's really good. It's short. There's a lot of interviews with some of your favorite personalities, including Trump himself, plus a lot of election experts. And I learned stuff I didn't even know. And obviously, I've spent a great deal of time on this topic. We can do a lot of details and a good catch up as well in this interview. David, great to have you back on the broadcast with us. It's been too long. Um, congrats on the new movie. I think it's going to really turn a lot of heads. We're really excited. Uh, you know, I'm down here in Florida. We're going to be premiering uh, Rigged, uh, our new film tonight at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump. Uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be a tremendous uh, film. It's going to have high impact. I, I really think that when the American people realize, and we do this in the film, when they realize that the Democrat National Committee over two years, in 2019 and 2020, 
spent $460 million. That was their budget for ads and offices and staff in two years. And Mark Zuckerberg spent $400 million just on a voter turnout operation in the last 120 days of the campaign. It is, it is the thumb on the scale that we have finally figured out, and it's only because we analyzed the 990s, the tax forms of the organizations that Zuckerberg's organization funded, uh, these radical left-wing 501c3s that are supposed to be nonpartisan that, of course, Alex, you and I both know, are not. And so they're being run, they're run by Obama folks, uh, and yeah. they're hardcore radicals, and that's who Zuckerberg's money went to. And so how can we sit back? It's like, it's like put it, to be candid with you, it's like putting Dave Bossie in charge of, of an organization and saying it's going to be nonpartisan. It's just, it, it begs credulity. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, one thing that you noted in the book that I think was, uh, I'm sorry, in the movie, that, 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 that's so important, that is a lot of these new rules were ostensibly due to the coronavirus. And we were warning a bright bar right. for months and months and months ahead of the election that this is, this is going to be cheat by mail. They're using this to normalize vote by mail. It, all this was supposed to be for COVID safety. But, David, only in Democrat-run cities and swing states, apparently. No, that's exactly right. You know, that's exactly right. The, the, these, they used COVID as the cover to run this operation. They said, oh, it's going to be for, for masks and it's going to be for PPE and it's going to be for plexiglass. Only a very small, and when I say small, I mean minuscule, one, two, three percent of the money was ever used for uh, COVID safety. It was this was just a guise. It was a cover, and that's what we really uncovered in this film. And I think people are going to be excited for it. You know, look. Let me just give you a couple of really big. Your folks listening right now. Three hundred and twenty-eight million dollars went through the Center for Tech and Civic Life, one of these fi- radical left-wing five hundred one c threes. Three hundred and twenty-eight million dollars. And they said, oh, well, we gave out a majority of our grants to red counties, Trump counties. But that's not where the money went. They gave out grants. They were five and $10,000. They were minuscule. They didn't uh... need anything. Okay? What they did do was they gave out 160 of those grants for $400,000 or more, which totaled $272 million. Uh, 272 of the three and a quarter. Okay, so it's a big majority, and ninety-two percent of the of that money, ninety-two percent of that money went to Biden districts. They they knew exactly, scientifically, using data to figure out what they did. And so let me just go a little bit further. In Arizona, in the funded counties, in the Zuckerberg funded counties versus the unfunded counties, Joe Biden, if you can imagine this, in in the era of COVID. And a guy with a guy who didn't campaign, okay, he outperformed Hillary Clinton in the funded counties by seven hundred thousand votes. It's it, it, and, and he only won by eleven thousand, but they right. outperformed Hillary Clinton by seven hundred thousand votes in the funded counties in Georgia. In Georgia, they spent forty-five million dollars, the most in, in any in any uh, state in the country. I wonder why. And they and of the forty five million, ninety four percent went to Biden districts. This was a scientific use of the money by Democrat operatives. And you know who Zuckerberg, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative's chief strategist is David Pluff. Yeah. Barack Obama's exactly campaign manager, Alex. Right. Yeah, the, crazy. Right. So this is where I want to go next is that it is the connections are just unbelievable because Pluff, who literally wrote a book called The Citizen's Guide to How to Beat Donald Trump, then became Mark Zuckerberg's right hand guy on these issues. Uh, again, we're supposed to we're supposed to assume this is all neutral, but then he targets things so precisely. And this is where Obama and his machine gets a lot of credit as a political guy, not as values I I, I loathe it, but it's, as a political guy, you have to give him credit. He knew exactly how many votes Joe Biden needed, and he got him exactly those votes. Almost down, it was scary, down to the number. A guy like myself, 
And Alex, you know, I, you know, I helped run President Trump's operation. We were very good at figuring out where we needed to be Hillary Clinton in 2016. It, it, for even for a guy like me, I was impressed by by yeah. their operation, by their data. That that's big time, big time data scientists. Yeah, and, and this is where the it starts getting a little bit suspicious. And then you look at kind of how they put it together. I want to you introduce us to a few characters here that I think are really interesting. Will you tell us a little bit about the Center for Tech and Civic Life? Yeah, so it is it is run by uh, Tiana Epps Johnson and Donnie Bridges, and both of those are just if you look them up, it, you know, you just do your own Google on them, and 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 everything, you know, there she is an Obama Foundation uh, uh, fellow. I mean, she she is somebody who is a highly um, impressive. I mean, to be candid with you, highly impressive individual. She is. Uh, uh, you know, incredibly smart, dedicated to the cause. But, you know, and, and Donnie Bridges, and they both came from the New Organizing Institute, which is, you know, which the Washington Post called the Hogwarts of digital wizardry for the Democrat Party. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is who they put, gave the money to. They didn't give right. the money to a bunch of nonprofits that's not, you know, that are that are nonpartisan. It just did not happen. And that's that's what that's why it. It, it, it needs to have an investigation. And in our, you know, in our, um, in our film, uh, we have the Attorney General of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, who has the only in, in the country, the only case in the country um, that is uh, open right now, investigating uh, Center for Tech and Civic Life, because he saw this money coming into Louisiana. Back right. in September and October, and he said, enough's enough. We're not going to have outside influences like this. And so he filed a suit. And just last week, just on Thursday, he won at the appellate court level at the state uh, court of appeals where because the, the, the obviously CTCL was was uh, trying to fight it. But now, yeah. now, Alex, we're a, the attorney general is able to get into discovery, going to be able to get into the emails and the strategy wow. of how this was done and who did it. And that's the blueprint for how you do it across the country to figure out what Zuckerberg's people did and how his money influenced this election. We don't, this is the beginning, this isn't the end. We do know this wasn't right. Yeah, and uh, Landry's a regular on the show, so we'll have him back on. We'll ask him about this specifically. But yeah, the CTCL, Center for Tech and Civic Life, run by Obama people. And their budget goes from a million a year to about three hundred right. million a year. It just it, right. this is just. I mean, they just really prove themselves a lot, uh, David, to get an extra thirty thousand <laughs> percent, whatever it's, it is, increase in budget. It's, it's, well, it's pretty good. Say, I I want to I want a thirty thousand percent increase. I'm going to talk to Larry about this when we get offline. <laughs> yeah, get, uh, for get Larry year, on please. the phone. Good. Look. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Tell tell him he, he he needs to up his game a little bit. He, look. The the um, Michael Gableman, who is in our film, he is a su- former Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin, very serious man, uh, somebody yeah. who was appointed, somebody who was appointed as the special counsel to investigate this in Wisconsin. He says that this was a bribery scheme, an election bribery scheme. He is a he's a very sober. He's not a political guy. He's not Dave Bossy or, you know, or somebody like that. He's it's just. It's um, it's he's he's just some uh, uh, lawyer who's a sup- former justice of the Supreme Court who's doing his job and he's following the facts and the evidence and he's saying it's a it's election bribery scheme it's an unbelievable statement by him but he's also saying that the Zuckerberg folks were acting as agents uh, you know of of the CTCL people were acting as agents of of Zuckerberg. And, and so that he looked at them and he said, these guys are only here to, to, to move forward Mark Zuckerberg's agenda. And that's, that's a difference maker. And that's why, we're, that's why these investigations matter. We have to uncover the truth. Because, look, I'm not trying to live in 2020. But if we don't, Alex, if we don't figure out how they did it and, and how it happened and where the money came from and where it went to and how it flowed, it's going to yeah. happen again this November, and it's going to happen. All of the folks out there listening, when you think that they're going to do it to us again, how do we stop? This is how you stop it. We must have uh, uh, transparency here. We must have investigations. That's why Jeff Landry, 
is courageous. That's why Michael Gableman in Wisconsin is courageous. We have to have this all over the country. David Bossie is with me, president of Citizens United and the producer of Rigged, the Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump, which will premiere tonight. You can go to citizensunited.com, though I don't think you'll be able to miss it on the pages of Breitbart. I think we're going to have a ton of content. I, I, hey, the, I uh, hope not. I hope not. And, and, I, and people need to go to rigged2020.com. Go there right now, rigged2020.com. You can uh, watch the movie for yourself and understand it's 40 minutes, and it is fantastic. The cast, as you said, Alex, is stunningly good. Uh, just a stellar cast. We're so proud of it. Um, and the movie is just outstanding, and I, and I commend everybody. Yeah. To please go watch it. Yeah. And, then, and then tell people about it, because that's the only way we're going to be able to beat back the left. Right. A- amen to that. And, and you'll learn a lot. I have to ask about Georgia. Uh, Georgia got the most money from Zuckerberg. Uh, this was the state that I think maybe surprised people the most that uh, Joe Biden was able to hang on there, uh, regardless of the funky circumstances of the election itself. Uh, was right. the coronavirus particularly bad in Georgia, David? Is, is that why they got all the money? Or perhaps maybe they had this uh, a person out there named Stacey Abrams, who was running a pretty expert uh, GOTV community organizing operation. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. I wonder. I just wonder, you know, why they got. <laughs> Give the me some thought. Yeah, yeah I, I just really, it's it's really complex. Uh, look, we we know what they did. We know that they um, that they targeted Georgia as the number one uh, state in the country. They sent the most money there. They had Stacey Abrams operation, um, and yeah. that's why Georgia. That's why it's crying out for an investigation in Georgia so that we could figure out how did the money get there? How did the money get used for, for the, for the drop boxes? Did it pay the individuals who did the Zuckerberg money go to those individuals that are now, you know, being seen for stuffing ballots into, into these drop boxes? That's, those are the questions. And that's why the attorney general in, in, uh, in Georgia has to get, on top of this, it's a, it's just vital. We we cannot allow this to happen again, and that's why I say this isn't relitigating 2020. This is saying if we don't figure out what they did to us, they're going to do it again. They're going to steamroll us again, and we're never going to be able to win another presidential election. That's how important this is. Yeah, and I am just struck by this concept that a a billionaire or a small group of billionaires can essentially just buy our democracy if they do it in in a clever enough way, buy our republic off. And so long as they're they're paying enough people, so long as they're lining the pockets of the right people and getting uh, people elected who are satisfying to certain people who matter, uh, this is only going to get worse if we're not diligent here. No, that's exactly right. So. I got to tell you, um, I think uh, that if we don't figure out what I I come from Citizens United, if people know we we fought for the right, right, we we, we defeated McCain-Feingold right at the Supreme Court. We wanted more speech. We wanted people to be. But it's but it's but it's using the system of. So if if you want to give money through a super PAC to impact the election, it's disclosable. The American people, right, the Washington Post and the New York Times, write your name in the newspaper. And they say, uh, Alex Marlowe gave this amount of money to this organization because it's right. disclosed. And then that organization has to disclose how they spent it. This was a completely off the books. No one knew about this money. Alex, these the 990s from the Center for Tech and Civic Life just became available in January, 90 days ago. I mean, we've done all of this work. Um, in, in a very short period of time. And that's what that's why we have to uncover this, because this was a totally off the books. No one in the dark, no, the worst of the worst, the, the, whether it's a loophole or illegal. OK, I personally think there's there's going to be some laws that have been violated. But but that's why it requires discovery. And that's why Jeff Landry's case is so important in Louisiana. David Bossy again, rigged2020.com for the new film, which premieres today. Again, I don't think you're going to be able to miss it. The revelations are pretty stunning. Just so many Obama uh, alumni that are, were positioned throughout the Zuckerberg 
operation, distributing uh, funds ostensibly for COVID, uh, being involved with counting votes. All this is revealed in the movie. Uh, we don't need to get into, into too much more because people need to go see the film. But David, I got to yes. get your take on what, 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 what we do next. Uh, what is being done? How do we move forward? Because 2024 is coming up, 2022. Uh, I'm feeling good about it just because of the nature of the way uh, the politics are. But it, you can't get too cocky right now because oh. it's game on. No, first of all, you have to. We have to run like we're behind. If we do not, the the lefties are, are going to steal it again from us. And whether it's th- using this kind of scheme or something else, that's what they're going to do. So we have to be at the top of our game. Look, we have a lot of good things going in our favor, only because Joe Biden is destroying our country. Right, every single day, it's a destruction. You you just look at it across the country, across the world. America is weaker today than it was, you know, 15 months ago. America's economy is in, in tatters. Energy independence has now become energy dependent. It, it, Joe Biden is single-handedly, uh, you know, destroying this country. And that's why the American people have woken up and said, enough is enough. And so, you know, I, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you and I don't get to do this enough, but, you know, uh, I guess it was last month was the 10-year anniversary of, uh, of Andrew passing. And, uh, it, you know, I just think about what he taught all of us about fighting, about standing up. Uh, you know, Andrew Breitbart was a, was an original, uh, he was a good friend of mine and, and yours, but man, he, he educated the American people for times like this, that you have to stand up and say enough's enough and take the fight on. Uh, and that's what, that's who Andrew was. And, and so I'm, I'm just uh, grateful to be able to to be able to help out in in my little way. Yeah, I think this is going to go a long way in that regard. David Bossy, rig2020.com for the New Citizens United documentary, which, again, if you're not uh, sold on this, I don't know what more I can tell you. You guys, guys you got to go check it out. Thanks, you David. You can come, you come, to, you can come back whenever you like. Com. Thank you. Rig2020.com. Come back whenever you feel like it. Let us know. And uh, best of luck with the premiere tonight. Thanks so much. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton does something that I really like in conservatives and that he tries to set his own agenda. He tries to fight back against the left and also bring the fight to them. And he's done that with his lawsuit against Google, which is ongoing, which is the biggest one of its kind. Uh, And he also is trying to do his best to try to save some level of faith with the Title 42 protections that are being removed that will affect his state of Texas directly more than any other state in the short term, though it does affect us all in the medium to long term. Uh, But we get into all that, plus an update on his campaign where he's in a runoff against George P. Bush in this interview. Thanks so much for joining me again, General Paxton. Uh, I want to start with the border. I do want to spend a bunch of time on Google today, though, but I want to start at the border. Uh, these removal of the Title 42 protections from Joe Biden. I mean, maybe we should celebrate because I guess the coronavirus is I guess we've been cured of it. Uh, but it's explain to me what this is all about and why on earth he would do this at this time and what this means for the state of Texas. Uh, there's only one one reason you do it is you want more illegal immigration. You want to you're not satisfied with the, the large numbers already coming in, and by doing this, you're going to increase even by larger numbers the number of people crossing our border illegally, whether they have COVID or not, whether their their background is you know crime, terrorism, whatever. He wants more as many possible people crossing that border as possible, and he's doing everything he possibly can, ignoring federal law to do that. It seems like it. So, but what is, what do you explain the timing of this? Because, you know, the New York Times just putting out a story that we need to prepare for the next COVID wave. We've got uh, China, you've got Shanghai, which is under lockdown, 26 million people and all, and they're deploying the military. Now that might be a propaganda move, but still there's, I don't see the evidence that all of a sudden there's no coronavirus south of our border. So why would you remove coronavirus protections, especially when we just approved our federal government more million, billions of dollars, more emergency funds, essentially for coronavirus? So how can they have it both ways? 
Well, they do. They're, they are for Americans. They're treating it as if uh, COVID is still a real threat. We all wear. I was wearing a mask on a plane yesterday, even though I don't think they have the authority to do that. We sued over that. Um, they continue to uh, push their vaccines uh, for Americans, but as it relates to illegal immigration, COVID is irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Uh, COVID is is perfectly fine. Whatever amount comes through the country. So the idea here is COVID matters for Americans, but for illegal immigration is a higher priority and getting as many people here overrides the possible risk of death to Americans. Uh, you guys were the first state, Texas, to sue over Title 42 back in 2021. What was the nature of the suit? So the nature of the suit was he, he had an obligation to continue to enforce it. Uh, and so we got an injunction, uh, a partial injunction. And so they ended up changing the order. So then we filed another one. So we're still in the middle of litigation over that. So the, there were a couple other states that filed exactly what we filed uh, pretty much a year ago. So the it's going to be a chaotic scene. Uh, are you guys preparing to deal with it? What are are your limitations in terms of his state, your state? Now you're going to address the influx. It's really already happening. I mean, I'm not even saying it's going to happen. It's already here. Yeah, and it's a real problem for us because we do have lots of resources on the border. We've spent billions. We're trying to build a wall. We've got many, many state police down there. We've got border sheriffs dealing with this. The problem we have is if they turn themselves into federal authorities and they, they, they cross on the, with the federal authorities, there's nothing we can do. They claim asylum, and then they come in, then they disappear. And we've got a lawsuit over this, too, that's going to be in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Actually, the Remain in Mexico program is going to be in front of the U.S. Supreme Court this month, and we'll be arguing that. But that's one of the problems. Everybody knows the cartels know how to do this. They've been trained by the Biden administration. Just bring it to the federal authorities, and they'll ignore federal law. And you don't even have to worry about state police or state authorities. So even Joe Biden's own border chief, the CBP commissioner, Chris Magnus, is saying that we're likely going to see an increase in illegal immigration. He's wildly understating it, obviously, but due to Title 42. Uh, is the, the How could we have an administration that's openly making it easier for people to uh, to immigrate illegally in the United States? It just seems insane. It is insane. It's, it's, it's a complete betrayal of the American people because the consequences to our country are, are great. Uh, we just if you take the fentanyl overdose increases, uh, they're up like 30 percent. Um, yes. Doesn't count how many people died because of covid. That doesn't count the number of people who have been impacted by crime. It doesn't impact. It doesn't count the social costs along the border to the people that are dealing with this every single day and the, the fear that they have of, of being harmed. So. There's no there's no good reason for him to do this other than he wants more illegals here to vote. And that there's I mean, I don't have another explanation because this is clearly he's not enforcing federal law. He's not he's not following his constitutional role, which is to implement federal law, not make up new law, which is what he's doing. So he has a total disregard for his constitutional role. And you know, I view it as a crisis for, for America because we are experiencing a president that doesn't act like a president. He has he has moved more towards, you know, sole control. What's fascinating to me is that the openness of this. Usually, there is I would say less direct uh, telling the American people you will have to endure more illegal aliens. Uh, there will be you know Boston flown around the country, and you will get more fentanyl in your cities, and all of this is going to be. Uh, the, the Americans are going to lose their lives over this. Of course, the quality of life is going to be depleted. And they're just telling us now. Like They never used to tell us that they were going to do this. It just happened behind the scenes. I, I think that we have a very different president here. I don't think he knows what's really going on. I don't think he has a feel for how, how badly he's viewed by the American people and that his numbers are as low as you know I've seen in my lifetime. And, and that makes a huge difference. So his people can go ahead and do that, sacrifice his his polls and his reelection ability and just plan on somebody else running next time. I, that's what I think is happening. I don't think they care how Joe Biden is perceived and what, you know, what negative consequences come to him in the end. And they're willing to sacrifice him as well to get what they want. So uh, I, what, what can be done about it? What are you guys doing in Texas and what could be done overall? 
So, you know, we're doing everything we can. We spent, we're spending billions of dollars uh, sending people to the border. We're, we're trying to challenge every possible angle that we can legally on the border. We've got another lawsuit coming that's going to hopefully affect the overall position of the Supreme Court, which is the Arizona v. U.S. case where they said that states can't set up their own state laws that basically do the same things that, that the feds do. But our argument is this. If the feds are abdicating their responsibility, they're, they're, they can't just pass laws just to keep us from protecting our citizens. And so we want another shot at the Supreme Court to try to get that overturned so we can do more so that people can't come into this country and claim asylum, disappear into the country, and you know, basically have a totally open border. Ken Paxton, again, is with me. He's the Attorney General of Texas at Ken Paxton TX on Twitter. I want to change gears, and I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Google and your ongoing lawsuits against Google, uh, which you've led the way on this. Uh, the federal government seems very timid about taking Google on. I think that's probably a bit of an understatement. And uh, now we see that Google executives are even more involved in the Biden White House and the Biden administration than we thought. I'd personally written about Eric Schmidt, the Google CEO, or the former Google CEO, his connection to Joe Biden. And now it seems like he's almost picking and choosing the people and the agenda of the Biden uh, science initiatives he is going on. Um, are the states in the coalition that you've, built, that you've built strong enough to stand up to this? Because this is amazing. You've got the most powerful, arguably the most powerful company in the world and the United States government who are totally in cahoots on this. So before before the Trump administration had left, we had set up three different lawsuits. We had the federal lawsuit that Barr initiated. Uh, that was a very strong lawsuit. That one is is probably not going very far now that Biden's in office. That's, uh, and then the Democrat, uh, a bunch of Democrat AGs and some Republican AGs filed another one. I have no idea how, how, how well they're pursuing that. All I know is the one that we filed in Texas, and we filed actually several. We filed some locally we have one that's in multi-district litigation i think we've got a really good chance they're obviously going to try to stall us they are extremely powerful they can they could literally buy every lawyer in texas that they wanted to to fight us but the reality is i think we're right on the issues um, the things that they've done by taking people's information uh without their consent and 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 using it for financial advantage uh for the monopolistic behavior where they crush the competition which ends up costing consumers billions of dollars every year all of these things are wrong and illegal. And so in the end, they are going to fight me tooth and nail. Of course, they're going to hope I don't get reelected and have somebody else in here who will just let it, let it slide. But we're going to fight it and we're going to win this. It's just going to take it's probably going to take a couple of years just because of their ability to string things out. Uh, the deceptive practices lawsuit that was filed earlier this year makes it pretty clear that Google will use just about any trick in the book on its users. Uh, you call these tricks dark patterns. Why do you think it's so hard for Google to just simply play somewhat fair? And they have so many billions of dollars. They have so much power. Uh, why do they have to lie and cheat and, and really swindle their, their users and flex this monopolistic power to this degree? I think it, it comes down to arrogance. I think they, they, they become so powerful. They, it's, it's much like Joe Biden. Uh, he can violate the Constitution, and, and no one's going to impeach him. He's got control of Congress. So they didn't worry about following laws. I think Google's the same way. They've got so much money, and they've got uh, so much ability to to fight this fight and continue. And I think they believe, look, we control the White House. We we uh, give a lot of money to uh, to uh, politicians. Nothing is going to happen to us. So that's why it's so important for Texas to to to, to lead this fight because we're not going to quit. We don't care about the money. What we care about is protecting American consumers and protecting our, our opportunity to have a platform uh, to compete and to have free speech. It is very striking to me that they do have all this wealth, all this power, and they're still being accused, I think, quite credibly by multiple states of using deceptive practices in order to force people to give away more of their location data. It just seems so excessive. And yet Washington has been totally feckless and standing up to them. And uh, you're making your best efforts, General, but I, I just feel like I want to see a clearer path to standing up to Google. Uh, do you see it? Well, I absolutely do. I think I think the path. Our most recent lawsuit was on geolocation. So, they claim that when you turn off location services, that you they're not tracking you. Well, we know for a fact that's a lie. We're going to prove that in court. That one is a state law violation. It could amount to hundreds of billions of dollars of damages. 
And that one, I think, because it's in state court, is uh, is one that can proceed much faster and I think have a significant impact on Google and send the message like that that lawsuit work. Guess what? There's more coming. So uh, what do you think? Give me some of the breakdown of the Google lawsuit right now. What are the key facts that people need to know who are just coming into the conversation now? I think the key fact is the very first lawsuit was one based on uh, unfair competition. It's an antitrust lawsuit. It's it's the largest antitrust lawsuit probably in the history of the world. And it basically says Google is taking control of all advertising on the Internet, and they've done it unfairly in violation of all federal and state law. And they need to they need to suffer both financial damage and some type of restructuring so that American consumers are not, you know, subject or beholden to one company that controls all advertising rates on the, on the Internet. And basically, they're like, if you were playing a baseball game, they'd be like, you know, the, the umper, umpire, the, 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 the batter and the, and the pitcher, they control the whole market. Uh, and so we're trying to change that. We have to change it or we're going to find ourselves with one company that completely controls the Internet. Uh, I so what, what can people do? Who do? What do you need to bring to your side? Um, what do you? Who do you need to bring to your side to advance this lawsuit further? Because you guys know our take at Breitbart, we think that Google's one of the biggest threats to our republic at this time, uh, and I feel like people are insufficiently fired up on this topic. Uh, what are you looking for to move this thing down the field? I think doing. I mean, what you're doing, making people aware that it's it's literally costing them money every day. Um, they, their, their information is being taken without their permission, their financial information, their health information. I mean, think about the types of searches that you might do about your health and the fact that they capture all of that and they know all of that about you. I mean, I think, you know, it's so easy, especially for my kids' generations who, you know, they're in their 20s, to just accept the fact that, oh, yeah, we just have to give up our privacy to these companies because that's just the way it is. Well, no, it's not the way it is. We need to be very educated about this. It's, it's, it is irresponsible and wrong for these companies to have all this information without your permission and without you being compensated for it if you want to give that information away. It's just wrong, and we need to make people aware of that. I also want to ask you about Kentonji Brown-Jackson's nomination, which even some Republicans are advancing at this point. Uh, what's your reaction to her uh, record, her the, the answers to the questions during the hearings, and your opinion on whether or not she should be confirmed to the Supreme Court? Look, I think she's the most extremely liberal uh, justice that would ever serve on the court if they, if they put her there. She doesn't have a regard for what the Constitution says and what it what it was meant to say. She would be uh, someone who would uh, basically bring her own views as substitute for what's in the Constitution. And I think just as you look at the letter we sent it, as it relates to how she acted as a judge in dealing with uh, child pornographers, it was, you know, she doesn't she doesn't have respect for the law. And she doesn't have respect for what our elected legislators put in place to protect American people. So what should be uh, the. So uh, were you surprised that some Republicans are coming out and supporting her nomination? Look, I'm never surprised. I wish I was. I wish I was surprised that somebody like Mitt Romney uh, tends to move towards uh, the wrong direction. Um, he's been a huge disappointment. I, I was a supporter of his as he ran for president. And, you know, I, I wish that he was stronger and cared more about the Constitution. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if that's just really the way he was. Uh, it appears may, maybe that was real, these were some of his real views, but he certainly hid those well while he was running for president. And I'm really disappointed in him. And obviously, you know, we have we have a couple of others from uh, a few other states that I wish would 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 stand up for what matters, which is defending our Constitution, that if we lose, if we lose it, we are not a free people. Uh, Ken Paxton, again, attorney general of Texas, who's on the line with us. Ken Paxton, TX on Twitter. Last one for today. You're in a runoff right now to for re-election against George P. Bush. You're winning by a lot in a lot of the polls, but anything can happen in runoffs and you got to get to 50%. Uh, tell me about your race and uh, what you think are the defining characteristics right now. I think the defining characteristics are pretty simple. We've got uh, my record versus his. He's been in the land office for eight years, doesn't want to talk about anything that happened there, never talks about his record. Because you know what? Because everything that he did turned out bad. And it hurts hurt people in Texas, whether it was the Alamo, 
whether it was his lack of ability to direct funding from FEMA to the right places and help people that really needed it from hurricane damage down in Harris County versus my record of, of taking on the Obama administration 27 times, taking on the Biden administration now, what, over 30 times, taking on big tech, taking on human traffickers. We have a record of success of, of taking care of, of people in Texas and really fighting for the whole country as it relates to our constitutional rights, whether it's the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. So I always tell people it's easy to talk negatively about your opponent, but look at the record. That's really what matters. People can talk, but what did they actually do? Their behavior and what they actually did matters more than what they say they're going to do. And the fact that you're ignoring your own record, I think, says it all. Uh, do you have a campaign website you want to throw out? Yeah, KenPaxson.com and then at KenPaxsonTX for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. General Paxson, really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Have a great day. American Park. I got American faith in America's heart. That's all for today's show. Thanks to producer Haley and producer Greg Eben. And as always, I thank all of you for leaving a five-star review, recommending a favorite episode, telling a few people about the broadcasts, and sharing our content all over Breitbart.com. And the social web is really good, really helpful, and helps us grow a lot. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and thanks for listening. Yeah.